So today on our global conversation in plain sight, this is a special, we have invited Jim Roguski. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, very timely. Well, you know, you reached out last night and I said, let's do this tomorrow because of what's happening at the World Health Organization this week behind closed doors. You came to my attention, you know, about six or seven months ago when um, the you, you had released the amendments that the Biden administration wanted to push before the WHO. They weren't then adopted, but now the this is increased. So let's talk about exactly what what is happening this week behind closed doors at the WHO? Um, there's obviously a lot of history, um, but uh, on January 9th to the 13th, um, the International Health Regulations Review Committee is meeting. They say, I guess they would say it's confidential meetings. Okay, um, I know that they're happening because they did say that they would be having them, but in terms of what actually is said they're not uh live streaming it or recording it or making it public they're actually sworn to secrecy um they did point in their documents that their lawyer talked to them on the first day that they got together and met early in october that you know this is all just to be reported to the director general this is not for release to the public by them okay and so uh, they're meeting this week to discuss what has been distilled down from uh, submissions that are proposed amendments to the international health regulations from 16 nations, many of those nations representing larger organizations like the European Union and so forth. So, you know, many dozens of nations submitted approximately 200 pages worth of changes that they would like to make or suggest making to the international health regulations, which are an existing um, uh, legally binding you know, international agreement They've distilled it down to 46 pages. They released that just before Christmas. And I've been reporting on this, you know, for months, knowing that it was coming. And they're going to, I guess, you know, um, and now I have to guess what I think they're doing at this meeting. They're talking about this 46-page document, tightening it up. They have some typographical errors. They have some duplicates and, you know, redundancies and things like that. And there's no public comment on this at all. And they have a self-imposed deadline of Sunday, January 15th, to submit whatever they're going to submit to the Director General of the WHO. And the reason for that is, since these are proposed amendments, in the international health regulations, the articles that say how one would submit an amendment, it must be done four months in advance of the World Health Assembly, which is scheduled for May 21st to May 30th. So they're trying to get it in as soon as they can so that they beat the deadline. Not that they listened to that deadline because they totally ignored it this past year, but you know their rules do stay, say that if you're gonna submit amendments to be considered in at the May Assembly, you, you need to do so four months in advance. Now, one caveat, Officially, in all of their documentation, they say we're the, you know the WHO is not going to do any of this officially adopting it until 2024. And they say the same thing about the treaty, which is a totally separate thing. Um, but the concern with the amendments is a simple majority, 
right? And, and they like to work by consensus. And what they do more often than not is they'll have all of their backroom discussions at the assembly. They will reach consensus. And then they'll hold up the document and they'll go, we're talking about documents such and such. Um, is there any, are there any objections? And they'll wait 20 seconds or so. Boom, hit the gavel, we've adopted it. There might not even be any discussion. And boom, it's international law. Now, since it's an amendment, or it, it, it would be an amendment to existing agreements, that's the end of it. There's no signatures needed by presidents or premiers or kings or monarchs or anything. There's no um, Senate uh, advice and consent needing two-thirds vote of the Senate. It's an amendment to an agreement that we signed on to in 2007. And part of what we agreed to is the process by which it would be amended. And so, um, boom, in May, if they listen to what the uh, health minister, who's really a banker from Indonesia, said at the G20, he said very clearly that they have submitted proposals for a global digital health certificate and they want to have it adopted at the 76th World Health Assembly in May of 2023. So there's this conflict between he and other people saying, no, we want this now. And the official word of the WHO saying, oh, don't worry about it. We're not doing it until 2024. Well, I don't want to be a you know, fear monger or, or a, a raise alarms. I don't want to cry wolf or, or be seen as that way. But my opinion is really very simple. If you read these documents, I don't care if they want to try to adopt them in 2023, 2024, or you know, the year 3000. Mm -hmm. Never, never is the answer. No is the answer. Um, so let's just say no right now and put an end to this. All right. So let's talk about the substance of this, because a lot of people don't understand what one global health model looks like. Um, and, you know, it's important that people understand where this train wreck is going. <laughs> they want to put the national sovereignty based upon health underneath the auspices and the control of the WHO for all nations across Earth. It's based upon one health model, which includes animals, plants, human beings. So well, that, let me, that, no, gets I, into, that gets into what we're no, talking about in terms of climate change. I, mean, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to butt in. I'm going to butt in. Um, I don't believe the phrase one health shows up at all in the proposed amendments. No, it doesn't. That, it doesn't. That topic, have, that topic is, in, is in the treaty for sure. Just to but that's sure. but that is no but you know they're not going to put everything out there in the in the same right. documents but that that is where it's going in terms of the design and the right. model of the whole thing they want to take the sovereignty and have have the director and his six regional directors at the yep. WHO decide whether there is a pandemic an epidemic in certain parts of the world and if they decide that this is going to be the response to those pandemics or, 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 or and, and including natural disasters too. It's, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a COVID virus, but they're, they're basically, I mean, these, these people that are behind this movement are willing to have people outside of the countries decide what the response would be. And according to their rules and their suggestions, a head of state could not disagree with the six regional directors and the secretary director of the WHO. And, and this is this is exactly you know, uh, 
it, it, when you get into the details of what's going on here, you find one aspect and you go, oh, my God, that's horrible. But then you look again and you go, oh, my God, that's horrible, too. And so, you know, there's really kind of like a top 10. And that is certainly, you know, in the top 10 of the problems under the World Health Organization Constitution and under the existing international health regulations, for the most part, the WHO gives recommendations. Well, one of the amendments that is proposed is to eliminate the phrase non-binding mm-hmm. from, rec- from the recommendations. And with many other words in many other places in the amendments, it becomes clear, and, and they've stated very clearly, they want this to be legally binding, and it would turn recommendations that are advisory in nature to essentially orders or commands or, or such. And one of the most obvious ones, I believe, is I believe it was Bangladesh um, proposed adding Article 13A, which would, set up, which would set up an allocation plan. So all of the things that you said, um, the director general could just say, not, not, not that there's an emergency there. Literally, they want to change the language in Article 2 to say there's something there that could potentially be an emergency. Now, Mm -hmm. once you let those words sink into your mind, you go, well, that could just be anything. And and that's the whole point. They're changing the language so it could just be something that has the potential to be a problem, okay? Once that's been declared with no pushback, no vote, no input from anybody, it's just dictatorial totalitarian control, the director general would be empowered, according to Article 13A, to set up an allocation plan. And I'll summarize it in my own words. He could tell country A that their manufacturers have to make a certain set of products and deliver them to country B. And, you know, I, I don't normally talk about communism. I think this is more fascism than anything. But that is just control of the means of production being put into the hands of a totalitarian dictator to say to a country that they are obligated and the annex 10 talks about the duty and the obligation to collaborate or or, or cooperate and what that includes is the director general saying well you've got to make this and you've got to ship it there now whatever you might want to talk about um, assuming that one person is all-knowing and all-powerful and would even be able to make the best decisions in those regards um, is ridiculous. But, you know, if there's ever any kind of, you know, um, national sovereignty at stake, um, this is, the, the language is such that you look at that and you go, well, that's the foundation for a one-world totalitarian dictatorship governing body um is that what we want is that really what we would be agreeing to and i'm, I'm saying that yes that is the beginnings of of what this is all right this is so how they want to this is how they want to bring it in well the, the, this is this isn't new this is part of the agenda 20 2030 under the un the who comes underneath the un um the who under trump we pulled out us dollars from it and then biden put money back into it but gates i still think is the number one i think germany germany's up there as well but here's the here's the problem 
People don't know about this. The average American does not know about this. A lot of Europeans are becoming, you know, know more about this because because of the what they live under in, in terms of Brussels and the EU. We're not used to something like this. But at the same time, the global the global thinking and the global design is afoot. There's no there's no doubt about that. When you've looked at these documents and the amendments that, that are that are coming forth, what was the thing that really caught your eye? Um, well, the, the one that made my jaw drop, okay, was um, the first article of the International Health Regulations is all definitions of terms. Right. And I've actually worked on a document, um, and people can see what that work is by going to thepeoplesamendments.com, where I took it upon myself with a number of other people to define words that have taken on meanings that are confusing to people. And mm -hmm. so in in both the treaty and the previous information about the amendments, they've, they've said very clearly, well, there's an awful lot of words that need to be defined. And there are dozens you know, of words and terms that they use in this document. Well, that's a game, but, that, but, but Jim, that's right. a game. It's, it's like- Under, it's, Understood, but, I'm, yeah, I'm, but, I'm, but getting, I'm getting to answer, I'm getting to where I answer your question. Um, the first thing that I saw was that they didn't have a whole bunch of words being defined. And so when you read the documents, you have to realize that all of their words mean whatever the heck they want them to mean. Now, the few changes that they made were to define essentially what medical products were. And it, you know, essentially it's all pharmaceutical stuff and you know, no herbs and vitamins and nutrients or anything like that. But the big one <clears throat> in article one was crossing out the word non-binding for standing recommendations and temporary recommendations. So right out of the gate, you're like, oh, okay, these are not going to be just recommendations anymore. They're going to be orders. But then well, I got. That, but that, that could easily be challenged in a court of law. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, all of, first, first and of all, that's what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah, but, but Jim, you know, th this is not unlike the Paris Accord on climate change. All right. right. It's not a treaty. So hence, you know, the Senate doesn't have to has to vote on it, <laughs> but it, it is and it's an accord. And those are international words that people understand what they mean that mm -hmm. live in that world. All right. So yeah. redefining it is like redefining vaccinations to now include gene therapy, mRNA. Uh, so the steps that they're taking it's to it's to lock in the process if it in fact it will be challenged probably later on. But to answer your question, what got me, you know, what, what got my attention, because I haven't gotten to it yet. So number one, um, everything that you read is incredibly fluid because they haven't defined what they're really talking about. So it means whatever they want it to mean. Then I got to article two, and we've already mentioned it. They want to change the scope from, you know, real emergencies to emergencies that might have the potential to be a problem. So you just go, okay, wait a minute, they just opened up the scope to anything. But the jaw dropper was Article 3, because when I first read the International Health Regulations, you know, a year ago, I, I read Article 3, which is principles, and the very first principle says that the whole guiding principle behind the regulations is that they would be implemented with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And when I read that a year ago, I'm like, well, okay, that, you know, that, that sounds good. Well, the Indian delegation submitted proposed amendments that would literally just cross that out. 
And so the principle by which everything that follows is is the guiding principle now no longer takes into account uh, a respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms. It's been replaced with equity, inclusivity, and a very strange phrase, you know, which is their, you know, common but differentiated responsibilities and capabilities. And it just makes your head go, what in the world are they talking about? Well, you just have to look at it very simply. No more respect for your dignity, no more respect for your human rights or your fundamental freedoms. And, and everything that follows has to be seen in that context. They want complete control over everything and your rights and, and freedoms don't matter. Well, I can and, tell you what that what that phrase means. It means for the common good, okay? And that's and right. that and that takes away the individual right to make a decision. Right. Um, right. But that, but you know, the irony of it is that the reason why the UN was set up is because of universal human rights. So they, in fact, as an entity underneath the tutelage of the United Nations, is is fundamentally going against what the UN was created for back in the 1940s after World War II. In, in a world that was governed by logic and reason and law, um, they, they have failed, and I don't want to tip them off, okay, but I'm going to talk about it. They failed to cross out principle number four, which says that every nation has the sovereign right to make whatever laws and rules they want to make. And what they're trying to do is set up this dictatorial control. And, you know, everything you said, that it, they're in absolute, complete, and total conflict with all of the supposed guarantees that supposedly the UN is, you know, backing human rights and freedom. And what you said is exactly correct. They're trying to create an idea of some kind of group rights, and they use the word equity all the time. Mm -hmm. And in my interpretation of it, because they haven't defined it, so I'm free to determine, you know, how I. They no, do. they have defined it. They ha they absolutely have defined it, and they defined it in the discussion of COVID distribution, the, the distribution of the COVID shots. They have because because most I, I, most, I agree with you. I agree with you. The, most of the wealthiest countries on earth have received more shots um, than they have in places like Sub-Saharan Africa. I, I absolutely agree with you that that is the insane working use of the word equity. Okay. What I meant was they didn't put in their definition of terms a definition for the word equity because what it really means in common English is money, right? You know, I mean, stocks are referred to as equities. If you've got value in your home, you talk about equity. And what we were talking about just before we started recording, um, you know, some of the things that you said there, uh, if you want to repeat them, I think it's great because what I interpret what they're saying is exactly what you just said that they still believe that the pandemic response products, the drugs and the tests and the injections were good. And so they, they, if you allow yourself to think that way, then you could see where they're coming from. They're saying, well, Europe and Canada and the United States and other countries, they bought up all these good things and we didn't get our share. That's not equitable. That's not fair. Okay? Well, that's what they've said. They've said that. That's publicly. what they've said. And, and I think many people actually believe that because many people think that those products were of benefit and not of harm. Okay. And so they're arguing, um, as we discussed earlier, um, 
to get more and more manufacturing capabilities in nations that feel that they were shortchanged. And um, given my awareness of how horrible those pandemic response tests and, and laboratory you know, things and, and the failure of personal protective equipment, and I mean, all of the things that they're looking to spend billions of dollars on are wasted money because they don't work. They want to implement um, legally binding um, ability to not just make recommendations, but to mandate or, or you know, authorize um, lockdowns, um, masking, um, surveillance mechanisms, um, quarantine, and forced use of treatments and vaccines or injectables. Well, yeah, so, I mean, what, what's what's on the table? Crazy. This, no, it's not crazy. It's not crazy, Jim. It's exactly what has been going on in terms of mandates all over the country, whether it be the right. airlines, the cops, the firemen. And it's not just in the United States. It's been going on all over the world. Now, Absolutely. one thing, you know, the one thing that we have to, you know, let the public know, these are these are whatever terminology you want to say. These are mm -hmm. proffered before the world health organization. It's not law. It's not even part of a treaty. It's the international health regulations that is, you know, these people have agreed to it over 10 years ago. Um, but at the same time, this week that's happening, this is a, you know, a working project Yes. in process this week. And so while people think that, you know, maybe things are getting back to normal, whatever normal is these days, um, this, this game is, is in motion at the global level and the World Health Organization and the Biden administration has put forth their recommendations, the ones that they put forth last year mm -hmm. that surfaced in April through your, your body of work. Mm -hmm. You know, those were amendments to uh, the international health regulations supported by 46 other countries. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mostly Western yeah. European countries, but they, they, and Australia, Canada, some other countries, but they did, they did in fact, put those forth that didn't become law, but now there's a working group and this is basically closed as far as we know. I mean, they may change their minds, you know, some way during the week, but this is the recommendations for the further vote in May, as you said earlier. Um, well, they would say that they're not going to vote in May. Okay. They would they're say gonna, that well, there's gonna, they're going to be presented in May. They're going to be presented and, and there is that risk. And so, because that's um, the reason why they're following the rule four months before that they're doing it in January. Right. So they can present them in May of 2023, even though they're saying that they're not going to vote on it for 2024, but God knows something else could happen on the, on the planet. Okay. Another oh, virus and they can say for emergency. Reasons, oh yeah. So very good. That's exactly why we're having this conversation now. And so, but to actually add to everything that you said, I agree with all the things you said, um, the nine pages or so of the Biden amendments look like a tea party compared to the total 46-page document that is currently being considered. Fifteen other nations, um, including the Czech Republic submitting on behalf of the European Union, uh, Uruguay submitting on behalf of, I think, five South American nations, um, small little nation in Southeast South Africa, um, Eswatini submitted on behalf of the uh, African nations in that region, and Russia on behalf of the Russian uh, European Federation. So, you know, many dozens of nations have weighed in. Mm -hmm. And so 
it, it literally, um, the amendments that have been resubmitted by the Biden administration um, are nothing compared to All right, the so let's horrible talk, let's, stuff. Listen, yeah. well, let, let's not talk in generalities. What, what was sure. the, these new amendments that have been submitted? Who talk about, you know, a couple of them that, that just jumped out at you and said, wow, what's yeah, going I on? Mean, we, we, we kind of have so far um, new nations. I'm have, sorry. I said we've talked about many of them so far. The things that we've already talked about were, you know, not the Biden administration uh, amendments, the the changing of definitions, the changing of the scope, the changing of the rights and freedoms. You know, these are all from India and Bangladesh. Typical, that's a typical U.N. process that happens all the time. Every time they come up with with, with some discussion, at, right. you know, in the U.N. world. That, that to me, that's not shocking. But let's talk about the freedoms. I mean, right here in the United States, we have in the state of New York a regulation that was um, put in place by Kathy Hochul before her um, reelection in November that basically, and it's a quarantine. And yes. and so, you know, people, a lot of people in New York, I mean, Lee Zeldin, when he ran against her for the governorship, really didn't bring it up as much as I thought that he would. But it's a regulation in place that if, Somebody can be pulled, your child can be pulled out of your home if the child has been at risk with, I don't know, somebody who's got Ebola or something like that. And when they, when Bobby Fox, Cox, I mean, challenged it in court, Bobby Hancock, the, judge yeah. said, the judge said, this is unconstitutional. There's no due process. So it's not just happening at the World Health Organization in terms of quarantine, testing, surveillance. It's actually going down to the state level here in the United States. Very similar legislation in South Africa, very similar legislation, even more egregious in Western Australia. And so um, the the big thing that I think most people are going to be able to um, comprehend and push back against, um, I'm actually about to publish an, an article. Um, people can actually see it now, even though it's not officially published. Um, RejectDigitalEnslavement.com. And so nine articles, and this comes from various um, nations, and three- nine, Are these nine amendments or nine, nine suggestions uh, it, to the articles it, already in existence? The way to, yeah, the way to talk about it is there are many articles in the amendments, and many countries have made many suggested amendments. And so they've made suggested amendments to nine articles and three of what they call annexes. And all of those things revolve around what the Indonesian health minister slash banker um, talked about at the G20, which is they want to have a global digital health certificate. But it goes beyond that. <clears throat> they want to have testing certificates. They want to have prophylaxis or prevention certificates. They want to have recovery certificates. They want to have a passenger locator form. You know, there's all of this digital control to the point where, you know, if anybody ever gets around to reading the international health regulations, I, I refer to them as the international surveillance regulations because they're not about health. So this they're, is okay, I, right, Jim. Jim, I'm, I, we all understand that, but but yep. but what you're talking are these some of the amendments that these these countries have in fact yes. put forth for the new yes. round for discussion? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so the Biden the Biden amendments are on the table, and then yep. we we have even what you're suggesting is even more draconian uh, recommendations amendments to the existing um, yes. international health regulations. All right. So this is going to be up for discussion. 
Are you you're going to be covering it this week and watching it with with? No, because no, because these are secret negotiations and they're not up for discussion. They're being. No, they are up for discussion among the people that are in the room at the WHO. And, and so let me clarify that, okay? Because that whole mechanism has been hijacked, okay? When you what, say that whole mechanism, what? I'll, I'll explain it. I'll explain it. In in May of 2022, when they rejected the Biden amendments, the World Health Assembly adopted a process to consider amendments going forward. Mm -hmm. And they and they authorized what they called the working group to consider amendments to the international health regulations, WGIHR, scheduled to meet, and they did meet in mid-November, okay, November 14th and 15th. What Tedros did was at the beginning of October, created a totally different review committee, the International Health Regulations Review Committee, as opposed to the working group to consider the amendments and hijack the process. No, he, did, of, he made a decision. He didn't hijack the process. He made a decision well, to move it forward. He, he made a decision to take what should have been publicly discussed with the member nations delegates, and he handpicked 18 specific people, and I've written an article about who they are, to quietly, secretly craft this document outside of the view of what was originally you know, intended to be a more public working group process, okay? And Jim, so, I can't, I, I can't Tedros never said secret. Um, they say They say confidential, confidential and, but and their but lawyers swore them to confidentiality. Jim, I call it that secret. is not unusual in a wor international working group that um, people I, would say this is not for the press, this is not for the public. They want to uh, work behind closed uh, doors. Uh, that let me finish. That does not. You can't say that Tedros said do this secretly. You know, so that you know this is this is like the mafia or something. This is a working group that they redesigned to go forward. Okay. Please use the terminology clearly. This is not the working group. The this working is a working group, Jim. It is no, a excuse me. Group. Excuse me. There's two separate groups. So the language matters. There is a WGIHR that has been kicked to the curb. There is an International Health Regulations Review Committee. So the review committee answers only to Tedros. That's right. And I'm calling it a working group. If you want to put a but, different But that'll confuse fine, everybody but because it, it, it is a working group that reports. It's a review committee. It's All a right, review, it's the review committee. committee, but I, it, it they work together. Is I'm using it in the generic sense, not understood, not the but that will sense. be that will be but they confusing. will report to Tedros. Absolutely. Right. That's and not so, illegal. Uh, I, That's I'm not, not saying illegal. it's I'm not saying it's illegal. Never said it was illegal. It's being done confidentially. If you want to use that word, that's better. They're reporting to Tedros. There is no public comment. There is no public input. And essentially, the delegates who authorized a working group to negotiate this have been kicked to the curb by his handpicked 18 members of the review committee. That's the committee that's meeting from January 9th to the 13th. And they will be submitting this document to Tedros to then shared with all of the member nations four months in advance of the assembly in May. And that's exactly very similar to what happened last time. 
And they never publicly published it from January 18th. The United States never published it on their website ever, to my knowledge. I found it. I, I, I got a hold of it in March. And they never got around to actually making it public until April of this past year. So I don't know when we're going to see the results of next week's review committee meetings. They're no, going but to there be probably submitted. will be. The, I, I would. I would bank on this. There probably will be a leak somewhere along the line. Oh, I sure hope so. I sure yeah, hope so. Yeah, I yeah. think that there probably um, will. There, right. there probably I, will I sure because hope. it's it's too it's too. It, there's too much focus that's on it now for people to understand that, you know, we, again, we may think that things are, you know, relaxing in parts of the world, but at the Abs same time, absolutely. there's a and, movement and so afoot. I, I believe that they are having public discussions about the proposed pandemic treaty that is real and problematic. And it's got the one health and all this, you know, all, all the problems, but it's really a distraction because people get confused. Everything we've been talking about is not the pandemic treaty. These are amendments to international. Or end up be, they won't use the word treaty because then you have to have it voted on by the Senate. They use the word accord like the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, no, actually, what they this is a sole executive agreement from the United States standpoint. And from the international standpoint, these are just the international health regulations. The accord, no, no, I'm talking about two different Jim, I'm talking about two different things. One that's happening this week is the international health regulations and the amendments, yep. okay? But Correct. then the, the the quote unquote pandemic treaty or accord, whatever you want to call Correct. it, right? That's Correct. a totally separate thing. I agree with you on that. But in the yep. end, I think that they're going to move towards an accord because if it was deemed to be a treaty, then the Senate would have to vote on it. And that's not really what in the best interest of what the Biden administration wants. I, I hear what you're saying, but let me clarify, okay? Um, the word accord and or treaty, um, they refer to as their conceptual- Who's they? Who's they? The WHO and their intergovernmental negotiating body. The, the body of work that, that most people call the pandemic treaty or accord, okay, has a pathway that is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. It's a decoy because the amendments simply need a majority of the 194 member nations, a simple majority, to quietly um, have reached consensus in May, and boom, it's adopted. No signatures needed, no Senate needed. It's, it's deemed by constitutional law experts to be a sole executive agreement that we already agreed to in 2007 these are just amendments. The procedure by which those amendments would occur only require a majority vote at the assembly, which they'll probably do by consensus, nice and quiet. They want to keep this on the down low. They want to keep this quiet so it can just sneak right in while everybody's focusing on the treaty, which is in many ways a decoy. That's your opinion. It is. Jim, it thank is. you for joining us today. Now, where can people find your Substack? Um, just my name. The only hard part is spelling my name. I'm James Roguski, J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I dot substack dot com. Don't put a www in front of it. That doesn't work. Um, so James Roguski dot substack dot com. And I give my phone number to everybody. So here we go. Um, it's 310-619-3055. Um, 
I have a number of domain names. Um, the easiest one to remember is stoptheamendments.com. But um, I've published 100 reasons why we should stop the treaty, stop the um, amendments, and exit the WHO. And um, I've summarized the treaty. I've summarized the amendments. I've summarized what the WHO is all about. And realistically, in my opinion, um, they're never going to stop trying to take over control of our lives. And we're in a abusive relationship and we need to leave. Jim, thank you for joining us. Good luck. Thank you.